Welcome to Nerds of the Old Republic. I'm Adam. I'm Sean. And I'm Mike. In each episode, we discuss a different book or film from the wide world of nerddom and pair it with a unique cocktail. Today, we're enjoying a drink optimistically called Death in the Afternoon, while we talk about Neil Gaiman's epic graphic novel, The Sandman. So, this was Mike's drink, and I am so freaking excited to try absinthe for the first time. Would you mind, though, describing what we're drinking? Absolutely. So, Death in the Afternoon is uh, actually coined uh, as such by no less than Ernest Hemingway himself. Yeah, at least a point for Mike. In his book of the same name, Death of the Afternoon, I've read much Ernest Hemingway, but uh, not that particular one. Have you gentlemen encountered that one? Or Same thing. No, no, no I can't say I, so. I know it's about bullfighting. It is. It's a nonfiction book about bullfighting, uh, from what I understand. But in it, he, he has this drink. The, you can find the recipe uh, online. And uh, it's extremely complicated. It's two ingredients... The first and uh, most important being absinthe. So oh, get yourself some some absinthe. I thought it was going to be death and then afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would stand to reason. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, other ingredient is, uh, is is champagne, and it turns it into this nice, uh, very nice looking sort of cloudy yellowish greenish color. We haven't tried it yet, but it looks nice. Yeah, it's the glass. Yeah, it coats the glass a little bit, and uh, Sean was saying that it actually reminds him of grapefruit juice, mm. just the um, consistency of it, the looks. Yeah, it's intriguing because it smells like licorice. It does, like black licorice. I've never mm. had absinthe before at all. So I've had absinthe one time in New Orleans uh, at a bar where they, they actually had the whole thing set up, and it drips you know, slowly over the, the sugar cube, cube and yeah. into the glass, and uh, that was the only my only experience with it. Well, let's trip some balls. All, All right, right, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers to you. Cheers. That is something else. Yeah, that's one way to describe it. It tastes the way it smells. That's it does. <laughs> yeah. That is all licorice right at the front, right yeah. at the back, and right at the end. Oh, oh yeah. And with a nice, it's, it's black licorice with a nice fizziness. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I've had medicines that taste better than this. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> At first, I thought it was called Death in the Afternoon because absinthe is like high proof. Yes. Very now right. it, it might just be the taste. <laughs> and I like black <laughs> licorice. That's the thing. I always eat the black jelly beans. Yeah, not, you're a weirdo. <laughs> well, this is true. That's fine. You know, the God, best I hate that. the best part is the the quote the accompanying quote with Ernest Hemingway's recipe is um, that he recommends having four or five of these in the afternoon and that you drink them slowly, but but four or five of them. So Hemingway's slowly would have been like. Take five minutes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're talking about a man who who did cra crash a plane twice, if I'm not mistaken, or well, was in a plane crash. Yeah. Twice. Survived two plane yeah. crashes. Yeah. <laughs> if you can drink wow. four or five of these, Hemingway slowly, you can take a plane crash, no problem. It does warm the gullet. Though. It sure does. Yeah. As it, it is in in Western New York right now, which is where our recording studio is. What seven degrees outside? So. Optimistically. Optimistically, yeah, I can attest to being seven. That Damn. For sure. That so, is awful. The <laughs> I think the second sip was better than the first. This I can agree with that. I'm, I'm swirling my now to let it breathe a little bit. This reminds me of uh, that scene in, or that end of 1984 where Winston's talking about the oily gin and the cloves and the, and <laughs> the victory like, cigarette. It gets worse, not better, as you drink more of it. But I've got a feeling that this one will get better, or at least at a certain point, you just won't taste anything anymore. I'm hoping. <laughs> Exactly. This is no offense at all. I mean, this is uh, to the fine people at Absinthe. No, we yeah. all tried uh, big, big Absinthe. 
try to do different things. It's just uh, for sure. it's just not for me. <laughs> and that's all now, right. We, uh, we now th- we picked this drink a because it was cool because it's an Ernest Hemingway drink. But yeah. uh, we we also we always try to pair these cocktails with something thematically that we're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, being that we're talking about Sandman and the concept of dreaming, and and absinthe has this you know long storied history as being you know, supposedly hallucinogenic and so on, uh, we thought, let's do an absinthe-based drink. And then when we found the Hemingway one, that just seemed like a no-brainer at that point. I actually thought you picked it because death in the afternoon is what it feels like to teach lately. It does. I mean, to to live in the modern world lately mm-hmm. feels a little bit like that. And But you mentioned the name, and death is another connection, of course, to the, to the series. So, yeah, lots of good reasons why we picked the drink. Not a good drink, but lots of good reasons why we picked it. <laughs> we'll let everybody else decide their own opinions, though. True. Even though, like, I'm enjoying this, and I bet you the third one is going to be fantastic. I'm going to go ahead and back that up. That third sip <laughs> was pretty damn good just now. Yeah. Your experience will vary. <laughs> exactly. And if you are interested in Death in the Afternoon, make sure to check us out. Uh, nerdsoftheoldrepublic.podbeam.com or any of the socials. That's at Nerds of Old Republic. Uh, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Good pods, good reads, you name it, we're there. So find us at it. Good feet. Good feet no, is that's a, actually that's a store, Never mind. That's a store <laughs> yeah. and also a BDSM kind of thing. We're Whoa. not there yet. We're not there. On our OnlyFans, though. That's it's not just porn now. Everybody <laughs> says that it's not just porn. We were there before it was. No, we were there when it was porn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of personal experiences. Uh, Let's talk about Sandman and what everybody had like coming into it. What were your personal experiences with the text uh, prior to reading it for this, and then maybe while you were reading it too? Um, well, I'll. Uh, I mean, I, I had read most of the series uh, years ago, many many years ago, and uh, I remembered enjoying it very much. I had read the first eight volumes. Um, there's ten total, and I'm not sure, you know, why I didn't finish. I'm sure life just <laughs> interceded, and I, I, I got distracted and get back to it. Uh, but uh, you know, now having reread the first four, which is what we, you know, decided to read for this podcast, um, I, I enjoyed it again, and uh, we'll talk about all that. But uh, I, I think that this time I will finish it. This time I'm committed to to pushing the rest of the way through and reading nine and ten as well. I feel like this is a theme, though, with you, Mike. Like, when we come to a text, it's a text that you've, like, started, <laughs> and, like, you started and started, and I have a lot of those, too. So. Saga was one of those. Yeah, I feel like we're helping you just, like, be completist here. That's why I actually, you know, when you when you started this podcast, uh, Adam, about a year ago, I thought, you know, no, here's the thing that can force me to finish all the... <laughs> The half-reads on my list, so I had ulterior motives. And Well, I'm glad we're serving some purposes here and some masters. Sean, how about you? Uh, you know, I never read it, um, but I was a huge comic book nerd in the late 80s, early 90s, and through pretty much the middle 90s, and, you know, I had subscriptions to Amazing Spider-Man and stuff nice. like that, because I was, you know, and am a dork, but I, um, That's why we're here. I started off in the DC world with Batman, and some of the grittier stuff, which is bizarre because you would think a younger kid would start off with Marvel because yeah. it's more fun. But uh, I remember being a, like having awareness of Sandman and reading comments in like Wizard magazine and stuff about how amazing Sandman is and just like it's this pinnacle of graphic novel and art and it's just it transcends the genre. So I always had this opinion in the back of my mind like that's something I should read, and I never did <laughs> until now. <laughs> And uh, I'm grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, it was. Uh, but again, it was just just knowing that it was out there and and kind of the accolades and the and the uh, you know the respect that it had garnered over the years. 
You know, it's interesting. I come in a, at this from a similar angle, too. Like, loving comic books, but never reading graphic novels until being really in college and, like, young adulthood. Um, you know, in probably my mid-20s, I read Watchmen. Um, I did the, the Dark Knight stuff with Alan Moore, too. And then I came... Um, like just became aware of the genre as a phenomenal way to convey a story that typical novels don't or can't or didn't at the time and um, you know it's a it's been on my radar for a while so kind of like Mike thank you gents for the the kick in the ass to read this because you know as we'll get to in a minute I really really appreciated it as well and surprised that it didn't come on my to be read list and hit my hands sooner because of just what I read. Well, and I, listening to you guys talk, I'll, I'll say that I'm surprised that I did read it then because I am not, never was into comic books at all at any point in my life. Nothing against them, just, no. you know, not something I was into. You were just reading Lovecraft. I was going to point <laughs> out, you were the Lovecraft. gentleman reading Lovecraft in <laughs> high school, was it? Oh, before that. Middle, middle school, school yeah, middle yeah, school. Elementary yeah. school Lovecraft, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I, I read Sandman, and uh, I have read... Um, Obviously, Saga. Uh, before, I mean, I had re- had read Saga, yeah. and uh, I I have been meaning to read Watchmen. I read um, what was the other one? Oh, V for Vendetta by Oh uh, V. Alan Moore, I haven't read that. Which is a really good one. Yeah. So I I like them. I appreciate them. Um, but you know, I, it's interesting. Uh, you know that you guys this this will be good for the cast. You guys are aficionados of of the genre, and uh, I'm I'm relatively a newcomer. We'll guide you through it. I expect that you will. You f- you forgot we'll the most gentle. important ingredient. Oh no, I did not. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm gonna go with strictly uh, the sparkling wine at the moment. Yeah, Sean has poured himself another glass of champagne, leaving the absinthe out. Oh. I do want to point out though, before we move too far forward, that you uh, brought a champagne named Poema, mm. which is so on brand. Mm-hmm. It's got a lovely quill writing the name I, and everything. Yeah, not an accident. I no. I'm you know now champagne is you know I'm a, I'm a whiskey guy. Scotch guy, I appreciate a good craft beer. Mm-hmm. Very much into good red wines. Uh, champagne is not really something that I'm well versed in at all. So what yeah. I my method my methodology tends to be which one has the coolest label and or name. And this one was it this time. So I could see Dream works. drinking this bottle. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. And actually, that's a, a really great way to just kind of move us over into the text. So Neil Gaiman, Sandman, critically acclaimed, definitely commercially successful. Even though, as he'll point out repeatedly online to his fans, he does not own any of the rights to any of it um, on his webpage. There's a lot of questions like, I want to do a Sandman t-shirt or a fan fiction or uh, an opera. People have asked him about making operas. And well, he's I mean, like... As you would. Well, yeah, right? <laughs> um, I can totally see Dream... Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda? Oh, yeah. No. No, not for this one. It's got to be like someone from the emo days of the 2000s making it. Robert... Smith of The Cure. Yeah. Should play Dream as well yes. as writing the music for the opera. I thought you were going to say Robert Pattinson. I'd have to slap you. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he doesn't need to act. He just, Well, actually, you do need to act in this one. We'll get to who's acting in him, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, straight up a DC license there. Um, they own every single word, image, picture. Um, but, you know, Norman Mailer has called it a comic book for intellectuals. It's mm. been called stunning, remarkable. It's won many literary awards. Um, and, you know, it's had a long and difficult road to the big screen. Um, Netflix is coming out with 11 episodes this year, so that's kind of why we were thinking about uh, having it on the cast. 
and actually uh, originally, oh damn it, what's his name? There was a different actor planned to be uh, Dream himself in 2016 and he dropped out in 2018. Now I can't think of his name. Channing Tatum? No, it wasn't Channing Tatum and it was not Timothy Chalumet like you thought earlier today. Oh, he, was, he looks like Morpheus. He looks like it. I, it was the actor, was it... Uh... Gordon, Gordon Levitt. It was Josh Gordon. Is that his name? Gordon Levitt. Yeah, something like that. He played. He was. He was Robin in the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. He was in Inception. He was also Third in Rock from Third the Rock from the Sun. Yes. That guy. Yes. So he it was has, attached to it for a while. And yeah, he just literally um, the internet quoted him as dropping out. Yeah. So it's had a long, long road. You know, uh, the volumes we read include Preludes and Nocturnes, Doll's House, Dream Country, Season of Mists, and. Um, I figure we could kind of take it in chronological order, starting with Preludes and Nocturnes, where uh, the magician Roderick Burgess imprisons Morpheus accidentally instead of death. He was aiming for death. Uh, but Morpheus goes on a quest to recover his possessions and rebuild his realm when he's, you know, been imprisoned for 70 years, including a trip to hell and an encounter with Dr. Destiny, also known as John D. Yeah. What'd you guys uh, come away from from that first uh, volume? I, I was stunned to see that death is a hottie. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I was really intrigued by um, the whole family. You know, yeah. death, desire, the endless, the endless. Yeah. yeah, that's such a cool concept as a family, and to um, personify to around. I was just stunned that humans could <laughs> capture. One of these people, now I, obviously, you know, the the concept has to be something a little bit absurd, almost like Shakespearean, like there's mm. this weird rule that they get to break or make, right. and so they catch him and they imprison him for 70 years. That I just, that was so fucked up how they just kept like peeking in on him and made people stay up forever to watch him. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it was having known, like again, the sphere of the comic and knowing its influence... I guess I expected a little more, and I felt like the artwork was kind of not as high level as I was expecting. Like I, I kind of came up in the Todd McFarlane, mm. you know, like hyper bright colors, yeah. and and I know that this kind of it's DC's affect is that sort of gritty kind of feel to it, but in the late '80s as well, right. so comic book style as a whole was drastically different. Right. So I guess that kind of like left me going like, oh, okay, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I'd always seen like images of the like the cover art, which was always like this very like almost like a tool cover, like album cover or something, like very, uh, you know, I don't something know. very metal about it. Now that <laughs> yeah. you mention it, absolutely, it's, it's got Indeed. it's got an artistic but like a dark kind of look yeah. to it, and they're they're cool. But uh, you mm-hmm. know, you don't judge these things by their covers, and then I find the artwork is. <laughs> It was uneven, because I know there are many different artists collaborating on the different books, and I thought that was interesting to see that. But um, where the hell was I going with that? I'm not sure. <laughs> you were underwhelmed, I think, oh, is the point uh, you're making. You know, I was, I was generally whelmed, but um, maybe a little underwhelmed by the artwork. I could see that. And you know what? The um, inker and pencilers have changed throughout, but the cover artists remain the same. Right. They made the collages for every single volume as they went through. Right, that consistency was there. I um, I don't know. You know what was the, you know, we were looking at that. So the artwork kind of threw me off a little bit, and then I got into like, you know, you you start thinking about like the the look of Morpheus, and he changes so much. Yes, he does. From like page to page, I I started to wonder, is this a, <laughs> like a like a measure of the artwork or is it a measure of the character and that weird ass mask he wears like i i you know he's supposed to be this endless eternal thing but 
that mask looks like a total weird sort of like steampunk kind yeah. of bizarreness to it. They kind of jarred for me. I don't, so, I don't know. From my understanding, you know, the Sandman was a much older character, a sort of obscure character. And again, I, I come at this from you know, I'm I'm the ignoramus when it comes to the comic book realm. Um, but my understanding is sort of like Black Panther was a more obscure character that they resurrected and turned into a very important character. Um, that's what the idea was with Sandman. If you read like the introductory uh, notes to the thing, the introduction, um, they, they were taking what was a, sort of a superhero character with a loose dream theme to it right and then they gave it to neil gaiman who of course turned it into this much more like large literary philosophical thing but the mask (laughs) but the mask that you brought up um my understanding is that that was part of like the old whenever it was the 1950s or whenever they originally conceived the character that was part of his like superhero costume okay that makes sense because it is goofy and there doesn't seem to be any purpose to it when he puts it on he just sometimes puts it on yeah. you know and it's like it's maybe part of like his helm of office or something yeah. but yeah. there doesn't seem to be any need for it um i think that preludes and nocturnes is one of the less impressive volumes in the entire series mm-hmm. i think that this is talked about again in the introductory notes where they talked about this is where they were really kind of discovering what this was going to be and, and neil gaiman was finding his voice with it and that it, the artists, plural, the artists' uh, opinion is that they really felt it came into its own in the final section, the one with death, yeah. which I think would probably be most readers' opinion as well. That's when you feel like something really more special and loftier is happening. Right. Whereas prior to that, it had just been sort of a, you know, a, a, I don't want to say bad. It wasn't bad, but like a, you know... A, standard dark fantasy fair. Yeah. I did read those notes and things and they, they did say it took them a little while to find their footing and I think Death was the like the huge like off-spin character. She had her own series because I was going to mention yeah. as much, yeah, that they got their own series because of it. Right. So, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I say all this but I was deeply fascinated by Morpheus as a character. And I think it was just he's a really interesting character to read about. It's just uh, I didn't know for me, I had a hard time marrying that storyline and that character with the graphic yeah. novel or the comic elements to it. So that, to me, almost felt like forced in a way. Like it didn't feel, right. it didn't feel like it really suited the material as much as I yeah. expected it to. To me, this is not a standout volume um, in in the larger series, except for there's a couple of things about it I really like. You mentioned uh, Adam. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. the introduction before. Where they're captured, you know, where they capture him, mm-hmm. and you know, I've, just from a writing standpoint, I find that really an interesting choice. Like we're going to introduce this character by having him actually captured and imprisoned and not say any words for like an entire chapter, and we're going to show you his importance not by the things he does or says, but rather by what happens as a result of his imprisonment. Yeah, the world really goes crazy. In, yeah, it's yeah. really an interesting way to start the series and uh, to you know introduce the character. And um, obviously, uh, you know, another thing I like is the last chapter with death. But uh, the the one that I I find really haunting every time is the uh, the scene in the diner with um, what's the character's name again? Uh, Doctor Destiny is that what it is? 
the, the yeah, one where he's like, Destiny. you know, he's just the guy with using teeth for eyes. Ru- no, no, that's the Corinthian. Oh, sorry, sorry, Corinthian. That's but that's this one is Doctor D country. or something like that. But he uh, he's the one who he's sitting in the diner and he's using all these people in the diner become these like playthings, uh, you know, for his entertainment and his amusement. He's a cellmate with the Scarecrow at Arkham Asylum. Uh, yeah. Yes, which is yes. how you can tell it's a DC property because right. you get the Scarecrow. Exactly. Right. I forgot about that because I was so focused on the weird ass serial convention later on in right. the series with Do- with um, the Corinthian. Yeah. But yeah, he has one of the artifacts that Dream that's, needs that's to recapture right. Right. and he's abusing it and mm. has like tainted it to his own desires and uses usages while um, Dream was captured. And I like that aspect. Like I've been captured for 70 years. Now is my quest to redeem everything that I had for 70 Rebuild years. Rebuild my kingdom. Rebuild, yeah. yeah. But I like that section a lot because, uh, I mean, if you're like me, if you're a fan of, like, sort of suburban, small-town, lurking horror stuff, like like David Lynch, like Twin Peaks kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, this, this whole scene in the diner where it's just regular, ordinary characters and their sort of backstories starting to play out in this horrific way in a yeah. diner... I mean that scene. That scene is a standout for me. I always enjoy that scene. That's weird too, because having read other Gaiman stuff before, like American Gods and uh, you know just uh, his Norse mythology stuff. Yeah. And yeah. just kind of like that again, it felt like that doesn't feel like the same author to me. It just felt like lurid for the sake of, you know, DC's adult Luridness. imprint, whatever. Like this is the you black know, label. It was it was a Vertigo or something. Or? Yeah, it was Vertigo, and then Vertigo closed, and they switched it over to DC Black right. Label. It's almost like they had like, oh, we need you to have some stuff that only an adult would be HBO interested in. I, it's cool, yeah. right? But for me, again, I'm trying to like fit it with my knowledge of the the author, and it just got weird. For they they initially conceived this though as sort of like a horror ish yeah thing, and and you there's a lot of those elements here. And those quickly fall away. I mean, this quickly oh, becomes, after volume one. It, yeah. It's a dark fantasy, but it quickly becomes like a very philosophical fantasy, Wait, and that's where and the horror just you know goes away completely. That's weirdly where I started to really like it when I started recognizing elements of his American God stuff. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. these creatures like God and Lucifer, they exist right. because mankind yeah. brings them into existence right. through mutual like thought. Yeah, I I, that that's cool. a great transition into like Dollhouse and Dreams Country or Dream Country, where you know in the end of Preludes and Nocturnes he travels into hell. We see you know Lucifer briefly. Lucifer gets her own spinoff series later on mm-hmm. because everyone likes a good devil. <laughs> um, and then you know Doll's House is for me where I thought it really started to hit its stride with the interwoven stories with Rose and the mom and how okay so when Dream was locked up it fucked everybody's lives up. Rose was really Rose's family was really fucked up, but now that Dream's back, her grandmother's alive, awake and alive again. So she's now on a quest to find her brother. And that's a fucked up situation <laughs> with her brother. Oh my god! Yeah. My sons were trying to like look because they love graphic novels too, mm. but obviously they're not reading this. <laughs> no. So every time they'd Together come over, boys. <laughs> I'd like I'd shut the book. I'd be like. Daddy's reading his adult book now. Yeah. Right. Don't look. Is that the same one where he's uh, they, the the muse is being serially raped by people? Uh, and... I think that's that's volume three. Oh, that is yeah. dream yeah. country. Yeah. I, yeah, I had Kelly moments OP. where I had to shut it too, and my daughter came up behind yeah. me like, "What are you reading, Dad? Nothing." Nothing. <laughs> Greek mythology. Greek yeah. mythology. Oh, but that would she'd be like, "Oh, really? Let me see." Margaret Thatcher on a cold night. This is so oh, weird. Oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like it is because at first like. 
So I know we're skipping to, to Dream Country, which, you know, as English teachers, has a lot for us to talk about oh, with yeah. the Shakespeare and the man who, you know, lives forever and meets Dream in the tavern every that cool. hundred years. That's a badass proposition. Yeah. I would do that. I'm not going to die because I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I, you know... Uh, the, what was that one called? Doll's House? Uh, Doll's House volume is two. volume yeah. two. I mean, yeah. th- that whole thing, I think, it's it's pretty strong overall. But that mm-hmm. that particular one that you just mentioned is a highlight within the entire series. When years go by, you know, since the mm-hmm. first time I've read this and I've forgotten most of it, that's one part I remember. The part where, like, this guy and, and Dream and Morpheus meet once every hundred years in a pub. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that was such a fascinating, well-done little short story. Right. Um, it, I, I love that one. Brilliantly character-driven. Mm. You know, we, we find out more about Dream and him trying to, like, prod the human psyche into what the fuck makes you people work. Yeah. yeah. And the guy's like, nah, fuck it. But then eventually you see him crumble. Mm-hmm. But then he decides to build himself back right. up again and, like, keep at it right. despite everyone he knows dying and... You know, that I think it's maybe the third time or the second time. So he'd be like 300 or something. Right, yeah. Where he's like, everyone I know is, everyone I know has died. Right. My kids have died. I've seen my children and my family go away. I've moved to a different country because people are hunting me. And right. like they know I'm something weird. But fuck you, yeah. death. Yeah. Still at it. That's a really cool story. I love that the guy's immortal. And what's really cool is like that in itself is a really neat self-contained kind of element. Right. But then that also pushes dreams, character development. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a friend of yours now. Like, I don't you consider me a friend. And he's like, no, yeah, he later insulted. on, he's like, yeah, I am. It's yeah. like, cause he shows up at that one point, like, oh, if you're my friend, you'll be here in a hundred years. And he shows up and it's like, fuck, well, there you go. He does right. have some of these emotions. So it's, it's, it's both of those things. It's a great character study of immortality and you know, the human psyche. It's a great character uh, sort of evolution for Morpheus and, and his uh, trying to understand and changing himself because of this friendship. You know, but the predominant themes, what's always fascinated, why I, you know, praise this series so much is because the predominant theme throughout is the idea of stories themselves. Mm-hmm. Stories roles in our lives, in our history, and he comes at it and he explores it in so many different ways all throughout the series. Um, but that's another aspect of this story, too, because if you're paying attention, every hundred years that pass in the pub, some other historical thing is yeah. referenced or historical characters are present. Right. In fact, Shakespeare's there for one of them, and that yeah. sets up Midsummer Night Dream in the next one, because uh, if you remember, Morpheus goes like to the side and has a conversation with Shakespeare. Right. Yeah. Um, but at every pub meeting, there's another historical like thing happening so history mythology stories like you know they all are focused all throughout this series and they're here in this one as well it's like gaming playing with the uh the like his transcript from college like oh what courses do i want to dabble in and stuff with <laughs> oh my god i felt so underread reading this <laughs> yeah. because of the greek mythology yeah. because of the personification of you know human greed desire death and all of that stuff with the the endless and then just everything woven in, to me, that's a good... If I feel inferior, that's a good story. Yeah. But it also didn't feel like you had to have that background knowledge either. True, Which is yeah. a good, good exactly. writing. It's it was like just you, a bonus if exactly. you knew. That's right. You're right, though. I mean, it has lots of mythology. It has lots of religion. It has lots of history. It has mm-hmm. poetry. I mean, as you read this series, it's just chock full of stories. Stories, storytelling, mm-hmm. what stories are... 
you know, what stories are to artists and how they affect artists and how they affect society and, you know, all that stuff is just, I mean, if, if you're, if you're like me, that's an endlessly fascinating theme. That one will get me every time. That being said, I do have to take issue with the Midsummer Night's Dream sort of like moment there. Cause first of all, shittiest Shakespeare play. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Fight me, everyone. No, I'll agree no, no, no. With you, I man. agree with I'll agree with that, There's but no I'm also the guy. Story. Yeah. I'm the guy who likes Titus Andronicus. So, well, okay, whatever. everything he wrote that was inspired by other people's work, brilliant. Yeah, his own yeah. shit. What the fuck? Well, yeah. So I thought it was to me. It was like, okay, I see what you're doing here, gaming. I get it, and I guess maybe being aware of it ruined it for me. I don't know. I just I, I didn't that. I didn't really like it. I thought it was a little cool that Titania and Oberon actually showed up, you know, in the audience to True. watch, and Puck was there, and Puck was like. Scare because you know it was like the gothic horror. Puck was scarier than I picture him, and he gets watered down in yeah. the actual play. Right. So he's like, "That's not me. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking play me. Yeah. Get out the way, human." And he like takes out the kid, and also we see poor Hamnet. Yeah. In, yeah. in the whole thing, which you know he probably was treated pretty badly. In Too real soon, life. man. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah. Too soon. It's only been a, it's only been a few centuries. Yeah. yeah. It's still, Can't it's... be making jokes about that. No. <laughs> oh. That poor guy. Yeah. His dad probably really fucked with his head. Oh. Like every dad. Yeah, but I mean, I I think the reason you know if if you're Neil Ga- Neil Gaiman, the reason you pick this one is because of exactly. The fact that it was not based on any pre-existing story or history, you know, because sure. the idea is Morpheus was, you know, made a deal with him and is like, it's True. supposed to be based on this like fantasy element. And then, but for me, the real genius of that, and I, I love reading this, this is another highlight from the series, is all the characters that are in the play, watching the play and commenting mm-hmm. on it. Like you said, it's mm-hmm. that metafictional aspect. I always... That one always gives me a few, uh, you know a few laughs every time. It does fit the idea of like these like projections of human ideas that become reality, kind of thing, better than any other Shakespeare play mm. probably could have. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, and uh, that if I can if I can push the segue here. Uh, sure. It, no, no bell. <laughs> now I was waiting for something witty, but now I'm moving my. But head. it gets to that last one, Volume Four that we read, and getting into like hell and Lucifer and Catholic mm-hmm. mythology and you know Paradise Lost and all this like shit that I was like, yeah, yeah that's what I came for. <laughs> that's right. You know, I put on my friggin' uh, bib there, tied up, and I'm like diving in with <laughs> yeah. a knife and fork. Like yeah. that shit was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I just for everything sure. from the androgynous angels to the mm-hmm. you know to just the fact that Lucifer is just like nah fuck it I'm done and yeah <laughs> and then he's like you take the key to hell but wait a minute I thought it was a ploy no he really said fuck it I'm done yeah yeah <laughs> it's awesome yeah so this brings us to like what do you guys expect for the Netflix series I watched the trailer and yes I did think it was Timothy Chalamet actually before you had pointed it out Sean it's not okay it's somebody else you only see the moment where they capture Dream and um, brief moments of his captivity. It's like a one-minute trailer. So, I don't know. Are you guys holding your breath? Are you going to watch this series? Oh, I definitely am. Um, I there's, there's still not a release date, and there's no. not a ton of information out other than that it's been filmed and it is coming out. But, yeah. uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I've always wanted this. This has always been one thing I've read that I've wanted there to be either a movie or a TV show of. Um, I'm I'm fascinated to see how it turns out. Um, I I I don't know what to expect because I feel like, you know, when you think of so much of this series, it 
you know, would be hard to film in, in, yeah. in terms of like, what would an audience actually sit down and watch, you know, cause so much of it is so brooding and meditative and philosophical. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, some of the highlights of the series are not things that would necessarily be obvious storylines or plots on TV. Um, and, and so they'll have to do a lot of their own. I don't, I don't know if Neil, Neil Gaiman was actually involved in the writing. I, I have I no idea see. about I that. Didn't, I didn't look into the credits. You know, but they'll, they'll obviously have to take some of these stories and make them more, you know, digestible for a TV audience. But um, I can't wait. I'm fascinated. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping it's good. I hope they do it justice. Well, they did the right thing by not making it a movie. By going, I, I think most... The episodic nature of comic books means... Exactly. Yeah. And I, most of the nerdy stuff that we love lends itself more to the long-form storytelling of high-value production TV, which I think this could be really interesting. I will definitely watch it just so that we can do another cast on it. But, <laughs> yeah. but um... There you Get go. that SEO, that search engine optimization. Excellent. There. Yeah. Well, speaking of bells, you guys ready for the lightning round? Bring Let's it. Let's All it. right. Just three questions. The first one is opinion, and I'm going to judge your answers. Do you want to so, like buzz in or something? Like, <laughs> yeah, hit a, hit a bell. You can use my bell. All right. Oh, I got your bell. Yeah, you can use my bell. It's uh, tainted. I, I know. can ring your bell. Hey. Ooh. All right. First question. Who would you rather sleep with, Rose Walker or Calliope? Uh, I, I believe it's pronounced Calliope. Yeah, right? I <laughs> am the guy who can't pronounce anything. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I anything. Sh- I shouldn't say that though, That's since fine. you're judging our Calliope. answers. Although, fuck <laughs> you. No, I'm just I kind of want to call her Calliope now. Calliope. Yeah. Calliope. And what was the last one that I was mispronouncing so badly? This is what happens when you only use whole word and not phonics instruction in oh, elementary school. Oh, Me. Damn public uh, education. What was it? You could have blamed it on the absence. It's fine. fine. I've only had two. <laughs> um, all right. So. You were saying? Uh, I would go with Calliope because well, she's uh, been so used. Uh, yeah, Aww. but that—that's what I was gonna say. Is like uh-huh. you know, I mean, if if I can, you know, get a best-selling uh, author status out of it, you know. But you go crazy with the ideas, and you can't stop writing ideas on your skin. Yeah, you know, whatever. I'm all right. I'm, I'm ready to be a, a, a one of those tortured artist types. That's cool. I'm, it's not my real personality at yeah. all. And if Calliope can make that happen, sure. all right. You what can mail your question? thumb to me. It'll be cool. Oh. <laughs> what was the question? Uh, Rose Walker or Calliope? For what now? So who'd you rather sleep with? Yeah, Rose oh. Walker was Good the luck. one in Dollhouse. Dollhouse. Uh, is that, the, is that her, the grandmother who fell asleep? Or yeah, her grandmother fell asleep. Oh, because her dream. grandma. Yeah, she's oh. the one trying to find her brother. Oh, isn't she yeah. like sixteen or something? She. Is she. She's I, a late teenager. It's not to. Let's not pretend she. I say she's eighteen. Oh, okay. you consider uh, right, for the sake of this world. We're we'll all snow 18. crash here again. I'll go with Kelly Opie just to just to just to set her free. Oh, you'd free her. No, you fuck that. I, I, <laughs> you no, too would know. get that multi-book deal, the Netflix series deal, and cash out. <laughs> That's fair. I would do that too. Well, sure. I guess you you can both have a point. Take okay. yourself. All right. <clears throat> Question two. How many awards has Sandman won? Mm. The whole series, volume one through ten. I don't know. Random guess. Eight. Mike? Uh, I'm going to say seven. Without going over? Neither of you went over. It's uh-huh. fine. It's thirteen. All right, God. I win. Thirteen. I knew it had to be one above one, you or one below. <laughs> one dollar. <laughs> you did the prices right. Yeah, one dollar. <laughs> All right. Last question. Name as many names or titles for Dream as you can. Dream, Morpheus, Sandman, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> <laughs> they call him Dream Weaver at one point, right? Yeah. Lord Dream. Yes. So you're to four. Uh oh. 
<laughs> I don't I'm know. gonna I'm gonna presume you copy his first three. This is a good question. You're forgetting yeah. the Greek one. Oh, Chiron? No. No, that's time. Yeah. Wait, we we said Morpheus already, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was not the Greek one. Isn't it? Oh, great. So this is coming from the guy who fucks up every Oberon. pronunciation. No, it's not Oberon. It's, it's like Onios or Oneios. Oh yeah 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 yeah. O n e i o u s. Oh right, because there's like the 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 game of like ivory horns and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mythology. He's also called Dream Shaper, mm. Lord of Nightmares, um, Nightmare Bringer, and uh, way later on in the series. He's called something like Marcus. Marcus. We hadn't read that I one. I do not remember. Huh. It's it's in like volume eight or nine. He's called just some random human name. Okay. And Marcus. they just kind of stick with it. Right. Yep. So, <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> I think Sean got you by one there, Mike. So we'll give well, him. Got me by a lot. You. The bell. There we go. <laughs> Marcus. Um, it seems like that's like the goth kid who goes by all these like I am or- Morpheus. I am Dream. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. Marcus, get over here and eat your Marcus. Food. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus, Samuel Francis, get your ass in the seat. <laughs> I am Morpheus. That's right. Well, actually, that's the next podcast. Indeed. Right? Indeed, Let's not get indeed. too far ahead well, of ourselves. You know, a, little, a little crossover work yeah, there. Yeah, so Sean has indeed won the lightning round for this time, but I have a feeling Sean always wins. Have, have I no. ever won a lightning round? <laughs> well, you know what? We haven't instituted a strict scoring policy, so... That's not fair to say, because I haven't sure, kept track of the winners and losers. I'm sure our legion of listeners can tell us who the uh, oh, they're all all-time winner Yeah, they're, they're nodding that's right fair. now in their cars, saying, yeah, yeah that's, that's Indeed, correct. That's yes, fair. Sean has won that's all fair. the lightning rounds. Oh. <laughs> Winning. All right, so uh, we've come to the end of the cast, gents. Are you a yay or a nay on this? I think, uh, Mike, you've started a really good blog for us on our nerds page, mm. more than just books. And uh, you have a rating system for that stuff. What is your rating system? Can you explain this? So, and maybe we can incorporate that into the books. Well, here. I've I've given the impression that it's it's a whole like scale that's established, but sure. <laughs> I've really I like only, your full scale. I've really only out loud said the the two ends of it, which are uh, uh, a bantha fodder and um, unlimited power. Sure, you know Star Wars references. Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and and what would you say for Sandman? I would give Sandman unequivocally unlimited power. Uh, sure. I'm, I, as I said, I, I'm a for the themes of storytelling and any anything that any storytelling that is about storytelling i'm i'm all in i love that shit i guess if i could try to squeeze myself into to mike's rating here I'll, I'll give it the i have the high ground mm. oh give up anakin i have the high ground <laughs> you know it's over it, it's it's good it's worth the read sure. for sure i'd say read it i just uh me personally it didn't quite match up with what my expectations were but that doesn't mean it's sure. not good it's just sure. different from what i expected which i think you know I'd, I'd like to get back in and read some more of it i thought it yeah. was uh, a worthwhile experience i think sure. you underestimate its power yeah <laughs> i certainly did yeah, yeah i did yeah well you've got six more volumes to dive into i am a yes as well i am not not just ultimate power maybe overpowered i'm Ooh. gonna i'm gonna create a because I can, because I'm the guy with the timer here. Yeah, I'm going to say ultimate captain. power plus here. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and I'm going to finish the the last six for sure, for sure. Awesome. Um, so, you know, we are changing things up here at Nerd of the uh, Old Republic, and we're giving you two for the price of one. We're switching to a bi-weekly format, so catch our review of <gasps> The Matrix Resurrections. I have a lot to say about this. And remember to check us out on the socials at Nerd of Old Republic and rate and review us wherever you hear us. That'd be a huge favor. Thanks, thanks, thanks. And stay nerdy, y'all. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.